What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we have got a special show for you guys. It's been a while since we've uh, done a show that wasn't a classic. And, of course, joining me for this is the one and only, the AEW correspondent. And I can call him that because at the time that you're listening to this show, not the time of recording, but the time that you're listening, the AEW recaps are back in full effect. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back the one. The only Gator Ricky Ross. Hello, children. Hey, Gator. Welcome back, buddy. Hi, Mr. Bidrilla. How are we doing? Turn it to the left. Um, to the left. Turn it to the left. What, what? No, your other left, Betty Joe. God damn it. What? What the hell's going on? Don't worry about it. Hang on a minute. Turn it. No, to the left. The ducks will get, the chickens will get out of, the, we're building a chicken coop because eggs are too goddamn expensive. Then what are the ducks doing there? Well, you see, Mr. Boudreaux, um, when, okay, never get drunk and go on Amazon. Okay. I thought I clicked on chicken, I clicked on duck, and now I have a duck named Baby Girl. A duck named Baby Girl. Oh, yeah. Now, was was this duck already named Baby Girl, or did you name it Baby Girl? How'd you get the name Baby Girl? I named it Baby Girl after that stripper that I lost my virginity to. Billy wanted to name it after the stripper he lost his virginity to, but I don't know how you spell Tony. <laughs> Do you use an I or a Y? I don't remember if it was with a Y or an I. I can't quite remember. I think it was with an I, and it turned into Y when he figured out it had a kickstand. Yes. That was, Did I say that when you read it? Not quite, but okay. Did I roundabout get it? Uh, Roundabout, yes, at the roundabout. Okay, then roundabout. there you go. There you go. There we go. So we're about roundabout where I read it. But no, she, this is baby girl. We think she's a girl. Well, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell with ducks. They don't really show the dicks. Like you don't see nothing swinging underneath if it's a dude. Ducks I don't think. I don't think there's a penis. I don't, um, I don't know. But then is. again, Zachary Scott don't have one, and he's supposedly a man. <laughs> Was that too mean? Yeah. Uh, Zach, if you're listening, I'm not endorsing this. Call him. Do not that. call me. I am not endorsing this. It's, a, it's okay. I'm sorry I said that name wrong. Just because Desmond thinks he has a penis doesn't mean he actually has a penis. <laughs> well, Desmond doesn't listen, so he's not going to hear that. Desmond anymore. deserves that for saying that the the pitch black match for that damn Royal Rumble was good. <laughs> I called Mr. Bujarelli. I said, did you watch this bullshit? Desmond goes, I liked it. I said, of course you did. Yeah, oh, I knew it. I knew exactly where y'all were going with that. Well, here's the thing, because we were doing the Royal Rumble, and I can say this, because I don't know if this is going to make it to the YouTube or not, because the last time we tried to put watch parties up, YouTube flagged us for copyright, so I'm hoping this time we can actually get this up here, but just in case, I'll bring it up here. Basically, Desmond came over with his son, my nephew, Dax, so we're sitting here in the studio watching it on the leather couches and everything, and then Gator calls me, and I've mentioned this before, but apparently Gator never seems to get with the program that I do not like phone calls during a pay-per-view. So Gator is blowing up my phone and he wants to be on the live stream, which I can't get him on the live stream because there's no fucking video way to do it. So finally, because I'm using the blue snowball microphone to capture all of us, I finally just went, fuck it, turn the volume down, put the phone up next to the microphone like I used to do when Gator and I used to record like that back in the day before I started using the OBS and everything else, which is 
is a much better way of doing it. So I finally put him up there and said, all right, Gator, if you really want to fucking talk, and I'm mad as fuck. So Fives went, all right, Gator, what the fuck you want to say? And then he just went off on the match and everything else and, you know, tried to say that he hated the match. Desmond said he enjoyed it, and that started an argument between the two of them to the point where Desmond had to hang up on Gator because he did not want to hear Bray Wyatt negativity. Which is stupid because I'm not, I, I wasn't shitting on Bray Wyatt. I was shitting on the booking. I was too. I like Bray Wyatt. I just don't like the way they booked it. Yeah, but Desmond has a hard on for Bray Wyatt. Like, literally. Well, Desmond has a hard on for everything bad in wrestling. <laughs> Just about. I mean, Bray, Bray Wyatt, I guess the thing, I didn't have a problem with Bray Wyatt. I just didn't like the fact that A, the match was a squash match, and B, I don't like the fact that LA Knight is jobbing. I'm not happy about it. Mr. Goodrest, Mr. Goodrest, that was not wrestling. Well, speaking of wrestling, it's time for us to review wrestling. Yes. So, um, Mr. Goodrest, do your shit. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to jump into what we call here the classic pay-per-view reviews. How this works is Gator and myself review classic pay-per-views from WWE, WCW, and ECW. And we do them from the perspective of not just two people who are fans of wrestling, but also two people who work in the business. Gator is, of course, a wrestler, a manager. He's been an announcer. He's done com. He's been a referee. He's popped the popcorn. He teaches at a wrestling school. He's pretty much got the indie scene covered. I myself am a announcer. I've been a commentator. I've, I've popped the popcorn. I've done street team shit that I pray to God I never have to fucking do again. I've also been a manager out of the ring as well as in the ring. I pretty much have the indie scene covered as well. So, with that combined knowledge and expertise that Gary and I have, we look back on these pay-per-views, like I said, from those two perspectives. That way, we're not just recapping a show, we're literally diving deep into it. And, in honor of the fact that at the time that you're listening to this, uh, WrestleMania 39 is about a week away, the two-night event. WrestleMania, no. Yes. Uh, so we decided to go look at a classic WrestleMania, and this one time, we're going over WrestleMania 10. That's right, WrestleMania X, uh, which of course took place on March 20th, 1994 in New York City at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, which at one point was the mecca of professional wrestling, the upper echelon, and it is the place where if you are a wrestler, if you are a singer, if you are a comedian, and you get to perform in front of this crowd at Madison Square Garden, especially if you sell the some bitch out, you are a god in whatever profession you're in if you can sell out Madison Square Garden. As Dice once said, it's the top of the world, ma. So, and in attendance, there was 18,065 people, so it wasn't quite sold out this year. Um, And of course, the buy rate in North America was 420,000. The tagline was 10 years in the making. Of course, at this star-studded event, we had Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler on commentary. This event, this is back when Vince McMahon was still doing the commentary for wrestling. Uh, the interviewer was, of course, Todd Pettengill, old classic Todd Pettengill, as well as Bill Dunn, the ring announcer. Uh, then we also had the legendary Howard Finkel, the Fink. And, of course, we had two special guest ring announcers uh, for each of the world title matches, and we'll get into more about that later. We had Donnie Wahlberg being the guest ring announcer for the Lex Luger-Yokozuna match. Mr. Bidrelli, you know later. why they picked him to be a ring announcer? Why? Because he had the right stuff. <laughs> Yes, he did. And, of course, we had another special guest ring announcer, the one and only, God rest his soul, the legendary Burt Reynolds during the Bret Hart Yokozuna They match. call you the bandit. Yes. <laughs> 
Bandit, The Longest Yard, Burt Reynolds. The referees for this show were Mike Chioda, Dangerous Danny Davis, Jack Doan, Earl Hebner, and Joey Morella. Is that Santino's time? Probably not. So now we go into WrestleMania 10, ignoring the dark match because we don't talk about that shit. We go to our first official match of the evening. And this one, of course, is one that most people remember from this particular uh, show is... One of two matches. Yes, that are legendary on this show. And we kicked mm-hmm. it. So this, this, is, fr- this is when Owen picked his leg out from under his leg. Okay, yes, thank you. Um, We have Owen Hart goes one-on-one against Bret Hart. Owen takes Bret over with a fireman's carry takeover. Bret quickly counters. This is back and forth. This is the Hart brothers doing exactly what they do, wrestle. Now, one of them is a better wrestler, a better charisma guy, a better talker, and an entirely better person than the other, and the other one, Bret Hart. Yes, couldn't agree more. But this match is just back and forth. It's great wrestling. Um, It tells the story, and it does not hurt Bret. It puts Owen in title contention for their later feud, which culminates with that amazing steel cage match. But it does not hurt Bret for later on in the evening, which is, we're going to get to that later. Yes, this match was incredible. Like, if you're one of those people that, like, gets a hard-on for technical wrestling, this is a match you want to watch. And it's also, it's technical wrestling done right. It's technical wrestling with a grudge. Yes, that's why I said it's done right. No, no, what I'm saying is, is it makes sense in the storyline. They're mad at each other, so they don't completely try to out-wrestle each other, outdo each other. They do fight, too, because... You know, like I do, sometimes, oh, I hate you, I hate you, and then they go out and have a good match with each other. Yes, I've we've seen you those. They're, they're disgusting to watch. Hmm? They're disgusting to watch, I know. Yes, that type of situation. This is not that situation. The story stays conclusive here. Yes, and, and the reason it does is because their whole storyline was about who is the better wrestler, who's the better brother, and all that. So that's why mm-hmm. it made sense. That was why Owen yeah. turned on Brett to begin with, because he was tired of living in the shadow of Bret Hart. And Owen wanted to come out because he felt he was the better wrestler. And the harsh reality that a lot of um, marks in the business and out of the business are going to have to accept is he was. <laughs> Owen was clearly better than Bret Hart. In every aspect of the business, Owen was better than Bret. Owen was the complete package of the Hart family. Yes. I dare to say he is probably the most charismatic. If he wasn't taken away from us as early as he was, Owen could have probably took this business into the 2000s in a way that nobody else could have. Yes, absolutely. And there were some moments in the match that caught my attention uh, that I'm going to talk about here. Uh, of course, at one point, uh, Owen hits an uppercut, shoots him up, a Brett reverse and goes for a tilt-a-whirl, but Owen counters him a tombstone pile driver. And I happen to say this. Now, you notice when Owen did the tombstone pile driver, he actually mm-hmm. went to his fucking knees on that one. Mm-hmm. You notice that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Owen knows how to do a tombstone pile driver properly. Okay, all right. Now that you have shunned the Young Bucks. I'm not, oh, I'm not shunning the Young Bucks here. This isn't a shot at the Young Bucks. This is me referencing 94 Owen at, while also bashing 96-97 Owen, who dropped to his ass and damn near crippled the Texas Rattlesnake. So I'm not putting the Bucks on blast. I'm putting Owen on blast. I'm like, oh, you know how to do it right here, but not when you're wrestling someone else? No. Anyway. Moving no, on. no, 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 I'm not done. Because I feel 
like this is something that I hate that gets overlooked all the goddamn time. People talk about this guy's not safe. This guy's not safe. Look at the fucked up thing this guy did. Yet when it comes to this, everybody just wants to, ah, we're going to leave this alone because he fell from the ceiling. Fuck that. More people need to know that Owen was reckless that night. And I don't feel like he gets enough of a spanking from the crowd for that. Meanwhile, someone makes a mistake with a kick and we want to nail him to the fucking cross. So yeah, notice he went to his fucking knees. As a kid, you're like, wow, he did a tombstone properly. As an adult, you're like, wow, he did it properly. So what What about the fuck up three years later? No one talks about it. I keep bringing it up because it needs to be brought up. Then, Brett nails in Seguri, Brett nails hard right hands, then shoots him in the corner and hits a leg drop for a two count. Motherfucker, you ain't Hulk Hogan. Stop trying to imitate him. Anyway, Owen at one point locks in the sharpshooter. Brett clearly tapped out. I'm clearly seeing a tap out, but we're not going to ring the bell because that's not the plan finish we had in the back. So, those were my negatives. But th- other than that, the match was a classic. I just happened to notice those three things that really irritated me there. So, overall, fantastic match if you want to watch it. But, again, notice that Owen knows how to properly do a tombstone pile driver, but chose to fuck it up anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? That's lame. Yes. So, on that note, uh, before we move on to the next match, there's a few other things that I didn't catch that I want to talk about here. I love how Little Richard sang America the Beautiful here, which I thought was a well-done performance. Shout out to Little Richard. Also, to celebrate 10 years of WrestleMania, they show classic WrestleMania moments over the last 10 years from all the WrestleManias leading up to this one. So, by the way, if you want to learn more, I'll give a little shameless plug here. We do have reviews of WrestleMania 2 and WrestleMania 6 that you can check out if you'd like to know our thoughts on those particular WrestleManias. Also, we see a cameo appearance later on from Cy Sperling, who is the president of the Hair Club for Men. He's the guy from those commercials like, I'm not only the president of the Hair Club for Men, I'm also a client. So, he puts a toupee on Howard Finkel. Huh? Speaking of presidencies. Yes. Also in the stands is President Bill Clinton. Impersonator. I wish it was really him. WWE legends were also in attendance. We had the fabulous Moolah was there. Um, yes, yes, back when she was young. Yes, and also if you want to learn more about her, you can check out our Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring episode with fabulous Moolah. Uh, Mae Young was there. Nikolai Volkov, Freddie Blassie, and of course, the one and only Captain Lou Albano, one of the greatest managers of all time. So, all of them were in attendance for this event. We also saw Ronda Shear from Up All Night on the USA Network was also in attendance. And... Also, um, Burt Reynolds comes out, who apparently outsexied HBK. So that was kind of fun. But anyway, I just wanted to talk about those WrestleMania moments as we move on to the next match of the evening. We have a what is classified as a mixed tag match. We have oh, it, was, it was a mixed bag of nuts. Yes, we have Doink and Dink the Clown teaming up to face Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna Vachon. This was nothing more than a comedy match and really not a very good one. The reason this was a mixed tag match is because Luna is a woman and Dink is a midget. So that's why they're still able to call this a mixed tag match. Basically, you have the guys wrestling each other and you have, you know, the woman and the midget wrestling each other. Which is bullshit because fucking Luna could have wrestled that man just as easily. Yes. Now, I will say it's a weird fucking match. (laughs) Bam and Doink start things off. Bam starts punching him as soon as he gets in the ring and then shoots him off and hits him with a shoulder block and then bounces off the ropes and does it again. Shoots him off a third time. Doink does the clothesline, then hits it with a drop kick. Bam does a scoop slam and then goes for a senton and misses. Doink hits some right hand, shoots him into the corner, then twists the arm, hits a snapmare, continues to work the arm. This is good psychology right here. Uh, Bam fights up and rakes the eyes, then shoots him off and hits an elbow and misses an elbow drop. 
Doink then tags in Dink, who tries to square off with Bam, who now technically has to tag out. Bam tags in Luna. They circle each other. They go to lock up, and Dink moves out of the way. They go for it again. Luna trips and falls. Dink then slaps her ass, and Luna then kicks it the back of his leg, basically kicks his leg out from under his leg, and chokes him against the ropes. Uh, <laughs> Luna hits a, sen- hits a seated senton onto the back of his neck and chokes him again against the ropes. She goes to the senton and misses. Doink gets an elbow drop for a two count. Fucking hilarious. Dink runs around her, and Luna kicks him in the chest and misses an elbow drop. Dink then bumps her butt, and Doink goes up top and misses the double axe handle, and he flips and falls. Luna grabs Dink and rakes his back and then shoots the half and then scoop slams him. She then goes up top and goes for a splash, but misses, and Dink and Bam tag back in. Doink with a drop toe hold and punches him and then bounces off the ropes, hits a headbutt, and then Bam knocks him over the top. Dink taunts Bam, and he lunges at him and misses. Luna lunges at him and misses, and Dink runs back to the corner. Doink gets back on the apron, elbows him in the midsection, Bam shoots him off, and Doink goes for a sunset flip, and Bam just sits on him, which is an interesting counter for a fat person. Bam punches him in the corner and shoots him into the corner, and Doink gets the boot up and hits a jumping DDT. Doink then goes up top, goes for a flying leg drop, and misses. Bam hits two clotheslines, goes for a third one, but accidentally knocks Dink off the apron. Doink goes for a back suplex, and Bam turns it into a crossbody for a two count. Bam hits two headbutts, then goes up top, goes for a diving headbutt, and the one, two, three. So that's what's great about this match is everybody got their shit in, everybody had a fair shot, and there were comedic moments. So even though Luna at times was being embarrassed, she did have her moments where she could one-up the midget, so it didn't completely bury her. So that's why I kind of liked this match a little bit. It was entertaining, and it was something to kind of give you a break after seeing an amazing technical match. Let's be honest. You weren't going to top Brett and Owen, so you might as well throw in some comic relief. Yeah, it was six minutes and nine seconds. Of our life, we can't get back. I knew that was coming. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have ourselves a Balls Count Anywhere match. We have the Macho Man Randy Savage versus Crush with Mr. Fuji. First off, shout out to the Poffo family. Leap and Lanny Poffo, the Macho Man's brother, has passed away. Yes. Time that we're yes, recording so, uh, this. On now. the day that we've, we're doing this. So, so sorry. So sorry, as Mr. Mr. Fuji would say. Alright, so this is actually a bit different than your typical Falls Count Anywhere match. It's kind of a hybrid between a Falls Count Anywhere match and a Texas Death match. The original Texas Death match. The one that Mr. Booge really says is stupid. Yes. The rules here are are that falls are for all intents and purposes. They don't count in the ring. Once a fall occurs, the loser of the fall then has 60 seconds to return to the ring. So these guys, they fight all over the arena. And Crush ties up Randy Savage and makes it back to the ring before he... It, Vinny, help me here. Basically, he uh, pins him and then goes to the ring. Yeah, but he ties him up. Yes. In an apparatus. Yes. He hang, basically... Hanging him from his feet. Hanging him from like his legs. Like yes. a freshly caught tuna. Yes. He ties him up to a pulley cable and hands him upside down. Yeah, like a freshly caught tuna. Yes. Or like a slab it's of the meat. The only way I can I can describe it is he's hanging like the fish by the tail. Or it's like a slab of meat in a icebox. Yeah, so basically... So wrestling. <laughs> yeah, so basically this is a false Count Anywhere match, but it's a false Count Anywhere match with stupid stipulations. Like, so apparently you can only pin outside the ring because it's like, well, what if you pin him in the ring? Then you got nothing. So you have nothing. Don't overthink it. 
Yeah. Well, that's my job is to overthink. That's why I have the brain that I have. It's a blessing and a curse. So that's why I tell people, can't you just turn it off? No, you can't just turn it off. It's not a light switch. You can't just shut the brain off. Once you've been exposed to what happens in the business and you see stupid shit, you can't just turn the fuck away. So that's why we're telling people don't overthink this. It's too late for me. But this whole match was fucking complicated as shit. Not one of Randy Savage's best moments. Uh, no, no, this is right. Right up there with the um getting bit by the snake and uh and his wife fucking Lex Luger. Yeah. So on that note, we're gonna move on to the next match of the evening for the WWE Women's Championship. Alundra Blaze defends the title against Lalina Kai. Okay, this is a basic match to put the focus on Blaze as the champion of the women's division. She has some impressive moves, and that's about it, honestly. This is what it is. Very short, very it's like three minutes. Yeah. There was this weird close-up that made it hard to see the start of the match, and for some reason, an Owen Hart title card popped up. Yeah, this is also pre-boob job, Alundra Blaze. Yeah. So, um, there's that. Yes. So, basically, you know, th- this was match was more for the women's wrestling fans in the audience to see two talented women go at it, but they basically just yes, had Yes, all match. three of them. They enjoyed it, and then they went home. Yes. It, that's basically what it was. There was no build-up to this that I can recall. Uh, I don't see any <sighs> written here about a build-up to this match. Nothing that said, hey, here's a storyline. In fact, no. There was no storyline here. Nothing. Fucking nothing that built up to this match. It's just like, you know what? We need a women's match on the card. You know, let's take the two best women we got. One's a champion. One's a challenger. Let's throw them out there. WrestleMania. So that's basically what this was, you know? Um, it was basically basic chain wrestling. A lot of sunset flips, scoop slams, snapmares, Frankensteiners. Uh, a German suplex ends the whole thing. So it was very much like, as Gator said, a basic match. But, if you are a fan of women's wrestling, it is a match you will enjoy. If you're not a fan of women's wrestling, or if you're one of those people that desperately needs a story, it's not going to be as enjoyable. And by the way, it was 3 minutes and 20 seconds, the whole match total. Our lives, we can't get back. And we move on to the next match of the evening for the WWE Tag Team Titles. The Quebecers with Johnny Polo versus Men on a Mission with Oscar. You know what's funny? What? Raven when he's sober. (laughs) Doesn't he look weird? It's weird to see Raven not being Raven. That that's what it's weird to see him in any other gimmick is awkward. Oh, he's this is spoiled little rich kid Raven. Uh, I don't think that was his gimmick here. No, well Johnny Polo's gimmick is he's he's a rich over. Uh, you know that's the original gimmick. Yeah. Men on a mission win by count out. This is a bad match. The crowd didn't care for most of it. I don't blame them. They didn't wake up after Mabel got the hot tag. The finish was awful. The timing seemed off. This is the wrestling equivalent of a monkey fucking a football. It's funny because Zach was telling me earlier today he loves when Gator says that. Um, oh, the monkey in the football? Yeah. Oh. Finds it, he finds that particular phrase hilarious. Oh, it's like watching a monkey fucking football. That's not my phrase. I already told him that. You did tell him that. That's not my phrase. Yes, I know. That that belongs to someone else. Yes, 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 it does. It's just that phrase is a little bit corny, but it's yes, all good. Yes, it is. Very much so. But you nailed it successfully. Nothing but net. And um, in this match, um, uh, basically, this is the thing that irritated me about this match. The concept of a tag team match is a tag, but yet the Quebecers, if Raven was sober, the Quebecers were not. Because they did look a little fucked up. 
Uh, Mo goes for a cover. Jock breaks up the pin. Jock stomps on Mo. Jock, by the way, never tagged into the match. He was just there. Uh, Pierre chokes Mo with the tag rose. Jock scoops lands Mo and then tags in Pierre, who was already the legal man. By the way, the guy who was not the legal man tagged the legal man back into the fucking match. Pierre bounces off the rose. Jock back by. He drives him onto the two count. King says, Mabel is so fat. If you try to get on top of him to pin him, your ears pop. So, of course, that's King trying to bring some type of entertainment into what we now know as a cluster fuck and at one point Pierre goes for a cover Pierre throws Mo out of the ring and then tags in Jock Pierre runs at Jock and he back by Jots onto Mo on the outside Pierre goes for the cover why he fucking tagged in Jock and gets a two count he then tags in Jock who was already the fucking legal man they then shoot Mo off they drop Mo throat first onto the rope for a two count Jock picks him up and tags in Pierre now they learn how to fucking tag you know what's funny to me what when when Jock did a Irish whip that that made him Jacques the Whipper. Wow. 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 I'm just saying, the way the Quebecers acted in the middle of this match is the type of shit you would expect to see in AEW. But you would think the legends would know better. You would think. Yeah, this That's is not a, what happened. It, yes, it was the saddest thing I'd ever seen. And then, of course, the damn thing ends by count out. So that'll give you an idea of how interesting the match was towards the end. And it was 7 minutes and 41 seconds. Of our lives, we can't get back. Exactly. And they got counted out. And then, so men on a mission win the match, but they don't win the tag team titles. And basically disappointed the fuck out of all of us. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. This is the first of two WWE Championship matches. We have, with Mr. Perfect as the special guest referee, we have Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette defends the title against Lex Luger. Um, This was a difficult match to watch. Uh, you could tell Yoko wanted to take it easy because he was working twice in one night. Uh, and that wasn't going to be easy for a guy his size. Uh, the only good part was the last two minutes when Lex made his comeback, but it wasn't enough to save this shit shit hole of a match. Um, these two uh, never had good matches together. Let's just be honest. This was bullshit. So this match ends, crowd starts chanting bullshit, and the result of this meant that Yoko would now be working Brett in the main event. Yes, and uh, let's see, where do we start here? Uh, well, for one thing, nobody taught Ronda Shear how to ring a bell. This is true. That was the first thing I caught. Yes, uh, Vinny's good at catching that. Yes, I also thought the match was decent. Then, of course, the commentators are watching. Yoko stomps him and then does a nerve hold. And at one point, they say, Yoko starts riding him. Again, poor choice of words. <laughs> Think what you're going to say. <laughs> Think what you're going to say before you say it. But why, Mr. Bucciarelli? It's more fun. First of all, no. Second of all, don't need a visual like that. I, well, um. Plus, have you seen Yoko? That some bitch can't ride anything. <laughs> no, because he can't fit in a car. He can't fit in a boat. He can't fit in a plane. He can't fit in a... He can't get in a bus. Uh, yeah. You basically just tie him to the top of the car with the luggage and drive off. Yes, no, Sam, I am. He cannot fit it in a bus. He cannot fit it in a truck. He cannot fit it in a boat. He cannot fit it with a coat. He cannot walk through the hall. He cannot walk through the mall. I don't want to be around him when I have a cramp. I do not like the big fat champ. 
And the reason the crowd chants bullshit is because uh, he has a pinfall on Yoko. Mr. Perfect is ignoring the pinfall attempt to check on the managers. Lex shoves him and says, I gotta fall. But instead, Perfect DQs Lex. So yes, the crowd had every right to chant bullshit because it is. Lex, of course, goes in the back and confronts Mr. Perfect. And I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, this was supposed to lead to a Lex Luger Perfect feud. It doesn't. It was supposed to, but it didn't. And then eventually Lex went back to WCW. Uh, yeah, that, that happens, like, right after this. So this match was 14 minutes and 40 seconds. Of our lives, we can't get back. Yes. And on that note, we are going to move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Uh, we got Adam Bomb with Harvey Whippleman versus Earthquake. I only have a small amount of notes here. Okay. This was a squash that didn't need to be a squash. No, it didn't. But whatever. Yeah, this wasn't a, a crazy-ass squash match. Before the match, Harvey Whippleman insults Howard Finkel and says, just put the microphone in my hand, man. You know, you're always in my mind. Been an ugly, stupid, big-ear, monkey-faced, bald-headed New York Yankee piece of garbage. I will say this. That was cool. The only difference now, Mr. Howard, the Fink is now you've got hair on your head, but you've still got big ears, a monkey face, a banana nose. You dress like a goof. This has got to be the ugliest suit I ever saw in my life. He rips off part of the suit. That's what I think of you. Howard then shoves Harvey on his ass. Adam Bomb comes out and grabs Howard, but Earthquake makes the save and the bell rings. Earthquake kicks a belly belly suplex on Adam. Earthquake carries Adam Bomb around the ring, hits a power slam, then starts the tremors and then nails the Earthquake splash for the win. So this is also what leads to, in the near future, um, the match everybody didn't know they wanted or needed or really gave a damn about. Howard Finkel versus Harvey Whippleman in a tuxedo match. Yes, it's the match we didn't know we needed, but it, it ended up being lots of fun. Uh, but it didn't happen in this show. And on that note, we are going to move on to the next match of the evening. We have here, ladies and gentlemen, a ladder match. The only reason we wanted to see this show. For the un Undisputed WWE Intercontinental Championship with Razor Ramon defending the title against Shawn Michaels with Diesel, who also had a title of his own. Okay, I think this is one of those matches that every wrestling fan either has seen or should see. Uh, they took some crazy bumps considering it was 94. Uh, I know that 18 years later, we're going to see some of the more extreme bumps, but if you think of what they did here, it was a pretty incredible match. Uh, they really were Worked the match in a back and forth way with each guy getting the advantage at some point. Uh, Michael's bumping was fucking incredible here, but you have to give it to Razor Ramon as well. He worked his ass off, kept up with Michael's pace. It was such an innovative match because the majority of the audience had never seen anything like this before. Uh, they used the ladder as a weapon. They only had one ladder. Do you hear me, children? Mr. Budrelli? Yes. They only had one ladder. That's all you need. Sean bounced off that thing as if it was the most painful object known to man. Uh, this helped push the match as being a physically painful affair. Um, it took the right amount of time to there was very few flaws here. It set the template for future ladder matches. Uh, every wrestler should study this. Every fan should watch this. Simply put, this ladder match is one of the most iconic matches in the history of the wrestling business and it probably always will be. Yes, it is definitely a amazing match and as Gator mentioned notice there is only one ladder in the match there's not one in the ring one set up between the, the railing and 
the ring. There's not another one that's just laying in a corner somewhere. They used one fucking ladder and told a story. That's all you need. Here's the thing. Once you start bringing in multiple ladders and you keep going bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, it gets to the point where you cannot continue to top yourself okay i'm just saying the people get too fucking nuts about going bigger going bigger going bigger you didn't need to go bigger with this this is the right way to do a ladder match in my opinion yes one ladder two guys fighting over the ladder it wasn't overly done if it looked like it was going to kill you they sold it like it was going to kill you does that make sense notice there was only one bump off the ladder and by bump off the ladder i mean when it was set up in the air there was only one bump like that one and that ended the match yeah did you notice that yes well there was also the thing where Shawn michaels took the ladder and kind of jumped off the turnbuckle and the ladder landed on razor yes well he rode it that was brilliant yeah and what's also great about this is the fact that not only was Shawn good in this match razor was good in this match and this is the part of the show where Vinny wants to say fuck you to a lot of wrestling legends um particularly one who likes to woo and show his dick to flight attendants. Um, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are we talking about Pauly? Uh, no, we're talking about the, the person that stole Pauly's gimmick. That's what we're talking about. Um, ah, 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 I understand. I'm sorry. We had to throw a little flare there. Yes, we did. Uh, and the reason I'm doing that is because him and a lot of people, you're, if you ask them about Razor in this match, they are going to drop to his knees and suck his dick. And I'm going to tell you, the reason they're doing that is because he passed away. Because mm-hmm. I remember when now. Razor was alive. But they wouldn't do that shit to him when he was alive. No. When they were alive, a lot of people, in particular, the the drunk lowlife that liked to show his ass, literally. Um, I, did, I thought he showed his dick. And Well, he showed his dick, but also his, his ass. He showed everything, because, you know, he has no morals of any kind. Um, we understand. Des- we understand. Decided to say, and I quote, that this WrestleMania 10 match is great, because you see Shawn Michaels wrestle a ladder. Yeah. So, yeah. They just forget that he won the match, he contributed to the match, they just act like, oh, Shawn just went out there and ran circles around Razor, which if you watch this match, you know, A, that's not the case, and B, that boy can go back to nature and fuck himself with a tree branch. So, wow. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, uh, Gator does not, these, the following, are Vinny and his affiliate. Oh, they're completely my own. They're completely they're my own. They're his own opinions and his own thoughts. Please book me. Yeah. Booch is like an elephant. He never forgets. So. He never forgets. But Gator may have to work his son-in-law at some point hopefully <laughs> so anyway now what I did notice some other things in the match that were good um, at one point Razor has a hammer lock on Shawn Michaels and he grabs his leg and trips him to the ground I laughed when I saw that and I'm gonna tell you why I did not know that was an actual counter to that move it is you'll never see guys today do it but when I first learned about it was from the Attitude Era because mm-hmm. there's a segment with Triple H and Trish Stratus where they're supposed to team up to face Lita and The Rock and at the time Trish, at least from a storyline standpoint, was very green. I know it's hard for people to imagine Trish Stratus ever being green because she's one of the best in-ring women's wrestlers of all time, but there was a time where she was a little green. So she asks Triple H to help show her some wrestling moves. Oh no! I so, know exactly what the compromising position. Yes, this is the one where where he's where he, he does a hammer lock. So he's got he te- he's like here's what you're gonna do. Now Triple H reverses it. He said, now what you're gonna do here is you're gonna bend down, you're gonna grab my leg, then do a sweep, and that'll drop me right to the ground. So she bends down to go grab his leg, and that's when Stephanie walked into the room. So he sees Trish bent over with Triple H behind her, and she starts fucking losing her mind and flipping her shit and throwing shit. 
shit and crying and losing her goddamn mind. And then it gets better because at one point, Trish is unconscious after the match. And then Triple H goes to check on her. And The Rock slides into the ring behind Triple H and hits him in the back with a chair. Triple H falls and him and Trish are basically in a 69 position. (laughs) Oh my God. Like her junk is in his face. His junk is in her face. And the camera is zoomed right on it. But when I saw HBK do that to Razor, my immediate thought was, oh my God, Triple H and Trish Stratus. That immediately took me back there because I thought that was just something they were making up for the storyline. I didn't know that was an actual counter to the hammerlock. I seriously did not know that because obviously during the Attitude Era, I was a little younger, you know. I wasn't smart to the business fully yet, so I never thought that was an actual move. So to see Sean, that took me back there. Then, of course, Diesel hits Razor with a clothesline steps over him. The ref gets angry but didn't see anything but still puts two and two together and ejects Diesel from ringside. And I put, love that the ref isn't stupid. That was great. Like, this is a referee that's like, mm-hmm. I was not born yesterday. I ain't this stupid. Get out. Like, other referees that just go, why is he suddenly on the ground? Oh, maybe he tripped over himself. I guess I'll wait till he gets back in. Like, the, it, this ref is like, I yeah, I'm not stupid, Diesel. Sorry. Walk your big daddy ass back to the dressing room. Now, of course, at one point, Razor Ramon goes for the Razor's Edge, uh, but HBK back by drops out of the ring on the exposed concrete. Razor is grabbing his elbow. HBK goes to get the ladder. As I mentioned before, there was only one ladder, which was great. Uh, HBK walks into a side headlock, but then shoots Razor off, drops down. They bump heads, and both men are down. At first, I thought Razor did a short clothesline, but it turns out he was just putting his hand in the way to protect his own head. So, again, like that Razor was smart enough to think of that. Most wrestlers today aren't, but he knew. Oh, here, oh, we're about to butt heads. Boom, there's my head going down. And then uh, Razor ducks a clothesline. HBK hits Sweet Chin Music, and the crowd was dead during the Sweet Chin Music. Was that normal in 94? Uh, yeah. It hadn't gotten established. Yet. And then, of course, the thing where he falls off the ladder, crosses on the ropes, get his foot tied in the ropes, and that's when Razor climbs up. But then HBK gets his leg free, but then he gets his arm tied in the ropes. That's when Razor pulls the belt down and falls off the ladder, which I don't know why. That was weird. Was he that fucking tired or? Wrestling. Yeah, that part just didn't make any sense. But other than that, like we said before, this is the ladder match you want to show people if you want to learn how to do a ladder match properly. And it was a great match. Shawn Michaels did his part. Razor Ramon also did his his part and fuck anybody that doesn't think so. And this was 18 minutes and 47 seconds. And on that note, we are going to move on to the main event of the evening. This is for the WWE title and it has Roddy Piper as the special guest referee. We have Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette defend the title against Bret Hart. Okay, this wasn't a good match at all. Uh, Yoko was legit tired while Bret was selling uh, that he was hurt so the pace of the match was really slow. Uh, the response when Brett won was pretty awesome, and it made up for the match being below standard. So, uh, yeah, Roddy Piper, as I mentioned before, was the guest referee for this match. He does not wear a referee shirt, which I thought was not right. Um, he does a lot of fast counting, which is not good for allowing wrestlers to sell and register. So, yeah. I don't think Roddy Piper was a good referee here. I felt he did a piss no. poor job. Um, the guest timekeeper was Jenny Garth, who most of us know as uh, Kelly Taylor from Beverly Hills 90210. Um, yes, but Mr. Boogie who was the guest ring announcer? We'll get to that in a minute. Um, I, will, I will say 
uh, Jenny actually knows how to ring a bell, so glad someone taught her before the show. Uh, then we have a the guest ring announcer was of course Burt Reynolds. He goes, "I'm the bandit." Yes, the bandit. I'm happier to be here than you are. Yeah, because you're getting paid. Also, he sucked as a ring announcer. So fuck you. I'm sorry. The bandit was not very good. Run on, bandit. Run on. Yes, Burt Reynolds is good as a lot of things. Ring announcing, not one of them. Uh, the motherfucker just was there to collect a check. So. Exactly. He's like, "I'm happier to be here than you are." It's like, yeah, because you got paid to be there. We paid to go there. So, yeah. Um, I hate that the champion is coming out first. We already know about that, so I'll spare you the rant. And then, of course, there were overall, this match was just, was not interesting at all. Um, Because you got Yokozuna, who can't do much, and you got Bret Hart, who doesn't know psychology. So, Bret has to make a technical wrestling match out of a guy who can barely lift his arms. So, this is not a good match, ladies and gentlemen. Not a good match at all. Uh, Very sad. You have uh, Yoko, who... At one point, bites breast face, and Roddy tells him no biting, which is the most ironic thing I've ever seen in wrestling. That's like Jim Cornette telling Leonardo not to sell somebody's fat for soap. That's literally how ironic that shit was. Um, and for y'all that don't know, uh, Leonardo was a Italian woman who killed people and actually sold their fat for soap, as opposed to Cornette, who just th- threatens to do that. Um, then, of course, you know, a lot of other back-and-forth stuff. At one point, um, Mr. Fuji checks on Cornette. Yokozuna does something to knock Brett down, but the cameras didn't catch it, to which I reply, yo, cameraman, focus on your fucking main event. There's nobody in the stands that gives a shit about Mr. Fuji or even Jim Cornette's well-being at this point. Oh, yeah, no. They, they don't give a fuck. I'm sorry. No one cares about Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette. They're there to see Yokozuna and Bret Hart. So I'm more interested in why Bret took a bump than whether or not Cornette's going to get back up again. No offense to Jim Cornette, but you were the heel in this match, so no one cared if you got up. If they're caring about your well-being, you're not doing a good job as a heel. Um. So anyway, more random spots that make no goddamn sense. Um, then, of course, Yoko signals for the bonsai drop, drags Brett to the corner, climbs up to the middle rope, and then loses his balance and falls backwards. Brett moves out of the way and then covers him for the one, two, three shittiest finish in WrestleMania history. I challenge someone to find a worse one because Jesus Christ. That's it. That's how this ends. A guy who's done the bonsai drop for most of his fucking career suddenly doesn't know how to keep his balance. Just, 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 oh, 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 Timber. Bam. As a finish, nobody in the crowd had decency to even yell out Timber when he fell. Wrestling. You think Jerry Lawler would have yelled out Timber. All the sarcastic shit he says. Wrestling. But I'm just saying, I could understand if maybe something happened where like somebody came out and greased the rope or, you know, if somebody, like, let's say, you know, somebody did something to make Yokozuna lose his balance, like, kick the rope, trip the rope, something. Maybe somebody came out with Brett. Mr. Fuji was going to throw something in his eyes. Me missed. Hit Yokozuna in the eyes. He fall backwards. Something. Something to make this believable. There was none of that. Wrestling. Now, after the match, Yoko chases after Piper, and then Let's comes in and shakes Brett's hand, congratulates him on his win. Other wrestlers come in and congratulate Brett, and so does Burt Reynolds. Also, other celebrities come in. Piper returns as well. Owen comes out and stares Brett down from the ramp while Randy Savage and Roddy Piper raise his hand to taunt Owen. And this match was unfortunately 10 minutes and 38 seconds long. Of our lives we can't get back. Thank you. I would have done it if you hadn't. No, no, no. I was gonna do it. This Jesus Christ. That was sad. This was so fucking sad. It's one of the saddest main events I've ever seen. Uh, so Gator, unless you got any final thoughts, I think this is it. No, no. We're just, we're gonna let that one die. Yes. So, uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude this 
review of WrestleMania 10. Uh, Gator, as always, I uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us, and uh, I'll see you uh, on the next one. Yeah, man. Well, uh, make sure you guys uh, follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four host sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. We will have an episode of Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the 90s dropping this week. Also, we have got all the episodes already filmed. All we gotta do is get them out here on YouTube, so make sure you enjoy them. We are nearing the end of Dark Side of the 90s. Don't forget, we got Dark Sides of Football and Comedy coming around the horizon, as well as Season 4 of Dark Side of the Ring, whenever that airs. So, also be sure to uh, follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, April 1st and Sunday, April 2nd for nights 1 and 2 of WrestleMania 39. That's right, WrestleMania, of course, being the biggest event of the year and of course we have got a lot of great matches on the card already at the time that we're recording this so far we've got uh, Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes for the undisputed WWE Universal title we also got uh, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley for the Smackdown women's title and of course Bianca Belair will face the winner of the Elimination Chamber now there's some other matches that have been rumored for the show as well as of right now these are rumored to follow but have not been confirmed yet at least at the time of this recording there is talk of John Cena going one-on-one against Austin Theory. We've got a rumor of Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler versus Io Sky and Dakota Kai for the women's tag team titles. Uh, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. So we'll see if these uh, come to fruition by the time this comes out. Hopefully they have. Uh, but of course, make sure you join us live on Twitch. Also, we have our uh, live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and a special project in the works. Also, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is uh, 99 cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. Same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99 per month. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WB Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since we sold to the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network and unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. With the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use to upgrade our equipment, we use to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. If you got a favorite co-host and believes they're to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zach Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid and for the love of God keep him sober and until next time this is Vinny Bucci aka The Booch saying keep on living life and take care this has been The Boochcast we'll talk to you guys next time until then pizza baby I'm the greater.
Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.